Welcome to the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor podcast, LaughBox. We have multiple hosts and multiple guests and multiple ways to think out of the box using humor. LaughBox is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. Join us for episode 90 with Kathy Larenhue from wisernow.com and Jim Bob Williams and Katie B. Welcome to LaughBox, the podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. I'm Jim Bob Williams, and I'm here with my host, Katie B. And we have a special, <laughs> and we have a special guest today, Kathy Lornu. And Kathy Lornu is going to talk to us a lot about the difference between being humorous and good humor. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a big round of applause for Kathy Lornu. Yay! Okay, so Kathy, tell us. When did you know that humor was going to be a key part of your professional life? Oh, I think I always knew it. One of the things that bothers me a whole lot is that people say that humor is fluff. You know, it's just a little extra, but they, they don't take it. They don't take humor seriously. And I think it's a life skill. It's a life saving skill that it gets us through the worst of whatever we're going through. If we don't have a sense of humor, we, we are not likely to survive it. And people will say that exactly, that I would never have survived without my sense of humor. So we have to say it's a very serious thing to have, but a really great way to keep your life lighthearted. And mm. I've always known it. Has it saved your life? Oh, yes. I think you have to reach, you know, when you're a teenager, everything is dramatic. So you have to sort of discount some of that stuff. But as you get through life, there are just an awful lot of situations. Sometimes they're just minor situations that are just embarrassing and you use your humor to get through that. But sometimes they're really life-threatening kinds of things or you're dealing with, with um, very serious people dying, people being very ill and having to get through that kind of thing. You definitely have to have it all the time. All right. So you're an author, you're a speaker, you have a website, wisernow.com, which has won four awards for the best in mature media. And I was a little concerned about that because mature media is usually the stuff I you know delete from my search history. <laughs> so my question for you after this is, what are you most proud of? That I am a survivor, that I have been able to stay cheerful and in spite of all the things that I've gone through in my life and that I've been able to be helpful to other people to, to help them to become resilient, that I've nurtured them, that I have shown them how great, grateful I am for them and how much their friendship means to me and their their support has meant to me over the years. I've really tried to nurture both sides of that. I've, I've had to learn to accept help when I needed help. But I also try to give help as much as I can and to use that cheerfulness to get me through stuff. I guess that's what I'm most proud of, that I've mostly kept my friends and nurtured my friends and family. And we've gotten through an awful lot of tough stuff. Can you give us an example of one of those? In 1991, my parents were in a terrible car accident. And my father at that point had fragile health anyway, because he was diabetic and had heart, lung and kidney disease. And it was a very serious accident. I won't give you the gory details. 
and he almost died. As it happened, I worked at the hospital at that time. I was um, director of planning and marketing. So I knew all the doctors and, and they helped him through all that. But the next two years, he was in and out of the hospital constantly. And I have two older brothers, but they were not around. So I had to handle all of that. And my mother had had dementia. I don't want to call it Alzheimer's disease because I think it was probably Lewy body disease, but it was never diagnosed as that. But she had dementia. She'd had it for about five years or so by that time and that we knew of, that we were very aware of. And she had 12 broken bones in the car accident. And she also had additional brain damage. We couldn't measure it because she no longer could talk. So occasionally she would say something that made sense, but it was probably a half dozen sentences in a year that she would do. So she needed complete caregiving at that point, And I became the caregiver for both parents. We had additional help from my father because he had a lot of medical problems that had to be cured. For my mother, she was in a nursing home for a while because she had too many broken bones. They had to heal and she needed a lot of care. But then I brought her home eventually to live with me. And that was not easy. But again, you survive because you have a sense of humor, you have friends, and people do. People just survive. There's a picture of Willie Nelson, and he was uh, comforting some survivors of the Uvalde shooting. And he said something that made an impression. He said, you'll never get over it, but you can get through it. Yes. I use that quote, a similar quote often that, and I don't remember who said it, but somebody who said, we're not here on earth to see through one another, which sounds kind of evil, but we're here to see one another through. And the more we can help one another, the better life is for all of us. That's beautiful. It was not my original thought, but it's one that I value a lot. Well, well, after this podcast, it will be because it'll be quoted. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'll be quoted saying it. I wrote a book, Creating Delight, Connecting Gratitude, Humor, and Play, which is so somewhat similar to that. And so I wanted to share some of all the ways that they are very similar. They overlap so much. We talk about gratitude all the time. And the reason that I wanted to talk about creating delight more than gratitude in my book was that gratitude sounds so serious again. It's like, Mm. you better be grateful for this. I felt like gratitude, if you think about gratitude, it's, it's what makes you smile, what makes you happy. If you're grateful for something, it will make you smile. So it's automatically connected to humor. And it's the playfulness that comes out in terms of, of your humor, your creativity, and your playfulness. So there's a lot of overlap there because play is creative, humor is creative, and gratitude can be expressed in very creative ways. They overlap in that way. But it's also about the, the many things they have in common. All three of them reduce your stress. They boost mm-hmm. your immune system. They, they um, increase your energy. They give you better relationships with other people. They actually lower your blood pressure and things like that. And they help you get through tough times. If you can be humorous about a situation, you often deflect conflict and disperse the conflict. And so that helps as well. So they have so much that's in common with one another. Most of all, it's the strengthening relationships that they all work for. And so that was why I wrote the book to talk about how smiling helps and how how humor helps and and then how being recognized in what you're smiling about and then being grateful for that thing that you have to smile about. I mean, they all work together. They're so intertwined. You mentioned the difference between being in good humor and being humorous. And can you talk about how, say you have a bad day. Mm -hmm. If you have a bad day, how do you use these to help you get through that bad day? I talk about the difference because I'm not funny. A lot of people in AATH are really funny. I love 
their funniness. I love their creativity and their improvisational theater and all the other things that they do um, that are very funny. I'm not funny, but I am cheerful. So if I'm feeling down, if I have a bad day, uh, I think it was Mark Twain who said the best way to get out of a low mood is to cheer some, if you're not cheerful, to cheer somebody else up. So part of it is that, but one of the things that I've talked about in the past, and one of my favorite things to do with others, it's sort of related to gratitude, is what I call good fortunes. And so good fortunes are little strips of, of like you would get in a fortune cookie. But fortune cookies, I've not necessarily gotten creative and they're not necessarily happy kinds of things. Meg Barnhouse wrote a book called, did I say that out loud? Which I think is a great title for a book. She wrote the book and in there was a chapter about fortunes. And she said she'd gone to Chinese restaurant and she got something like a penny saved as a penny earned as her fortune. And she said, that's no good at all. And she suggested creating your own good fortunes and things like tomorrow you will see three beautiful things. And so all day long tomorrow, you're looking for beautiful things. And that changes your whole attitude for the day. Or tomorrow, somebody is going to dazzle you with their smile. And so all day long, you're smiling at other people to see if they dazzle you back. And so that changes the attitude, that changes the atmosphere. You can't change reality, but you can change the atmosphere. And I think that that's really what I try to do with cheerfulness. And when I'm having a down day, I look for ways that I can change the atmosphere. And I really do teach people to write good fortunes and decorate them you have to decorate them and then you have to give them out to people or you let them choose one so when they they come to your house they before they leave they take a good fortune and I, I make envelopes for some and some I just scroll up but you can give them out all the time I give them out in stressful situations like if you're at the airport now these days mm. flight attendants or the people that are checking you in are so stressed out I give them a good fortune and, and that helps as well. So when you're having a down day, if you look for ways that you might cheer other people up or create something that will create cheerfulness. So sometimes it's just creating those those good fortunes. I love that. I train a lot of activity professionals mainly because I write a lot of stuff for activity professionals. I've written more than a thousand trivia quizzes and word games <laughs> and exercises of discussion topics and things like that. So teaching good fortunes is is part of that is you can have a wonderful party and this can be an intergenerational party creating the good fortunes but i have a long list of them to get people started so that they don't have to make up their own once they see they get jump started they mm -hmm. think of others that they can do it's creating the fortunes and then you have to decorate them you have to put lots of sparkly things on them or googly eyes or just mark them up in some way make them interesting and then you take that and you put it into envelope that you've made. So I make these little envelopes and about business card size. And, but I make them out of catalogs and calendars and things that are colorful and fun, sometimes just wrapping paper and stuff like that. But I make these little envelopes and seal them in. I put the little fortune inside them. And then I put those little envelopes all over a wreath or holiday time in a garland that you might oh. be hanging. And then when people come by, they can pick one that they want to take with them. So there are a lot of ways that you can create them and a lot of ways that it's a lot of time you can spend intergenerationally creating them. But then 
they last a long time. And sometimes people will keep them a long time or, or pull it out of their drawer when they're having a bad day and they need to be have a little bit of cheer. When it's written down, it has a certain life to it that you don't have when you just say something. Yeah, that's super interesting. What's an activity professional? An activity professional is usually somebody who works in a nursing home, assisted living community, adult daycare um, situation, a rehab facility those kinds of things. And they're in charge of entertainment and, and they don't call it entertainment anymore. And they don't call it keeping people busy. They call it life enrichment these days, oh. which it can be, but a lot of these older people are saying, my life has been very rich already. And I would like you to know about how rich it has been. You don't have to add to it. So that's where my stuff comes in, where I do this e-newsletter called Wiser Now Wednesday, and every Wednesday it comes out, and it's just quirky stuff. So I will look up something. The one that's coming out this week is on miniature food, because there are people out there, millions of people out there who have created videos, and that's not an exaggeration. There are millions who have created videos of making tiny food. So they, they get a teeny tiny stove and teeny tiny cooking elements and they put a votive candle or something like a votive candle underneath the, the burners and they cook this food and they serve it sometimes to their hamsters. Um, it just, it's just- well, What is the opposite of supersizing there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm imagining like making a, a tiny cherry pie. They do. Oh. Wow. It's, it's just amazing. But so I take some sort of subject that's quirky and it happens to be miniature month. So that's why I did the miniature food this time. And I say, well, what can we do with this? And there are people who do art exhibits with that kind of thing. There are people who take a famous painting and they'll paint it on a pumpkin seed. I mean, wow. just <laughs> wow. human ingenuity just astounds me all the time. I am just astounded by human ingenuity and fascinated by it. So I love writing about it. And so that's the weekly newsletter that I put out that also helps a lot of activity directors have hmm. uh, topics of discussion. There's always a trivia quiz on it so that they can also do a little trivia quiz, but it just is a lot to discuss. And then what I'm trying to do with people is that I want them to make new brain connections. I want them to think of new thoughts and make those new brain connections because they had never thought about this before. But I also want them to make new connections with one another because they'll be so excited about this strange thing that they've just discovered that they'll want to share it with other people. And it works intergenerationally, but it works within any kind of group as well. Can I just say, now I understand how you've won all of these awards. And let us <laughs> I want to give accolades to and let you tell us what the awards are. But first, chicken yoga. I mean, come on. You found all these animal yogas and all these references to animal yoga how beautiful and uh, and you you have a knack for finding the most interesting the funniest cutest thing to share and please what are these awards that you've won because oh my goodness i mean i understand why now <laughs> thank you um i well, well i they just happen to be mature media awards. Three of them are related to that. And one is a caregiver award. Because I haven't reached out to other people, I would love a, an, a wider audience for Wiser Now Wednesday because one of the things that Deb Gallen, who's another AATH member and, and, 
and CHP is she and I talked years ago about creating a thing called weightlifters, W-A-I-T weightlifters, so that when you're in a doctor's office or in a hospital waiting room or whatever, you can read these, a downloadable app that would be available in the doctor's office, or they could be um, shown on a large screen TV. There's a lot of other ways to use this material, but it's ripe for that kind of audience because it's a distraction. And what we need most of all when we are stressed is a distraction. So when I talk about writing good fortunes, it's a nice thing to do, but it's also a distraction from my own troubles if I am having a bad day. So we look for funny things, quirky things, things that lead our brains in different directions. When we are depressed, anxious, which you often are in doctor's offices, offices and hospitals. So that's another place. But in restaurants too, little kids get their coloring coloring books and stuff and why don't we have something for adults while we're waiting plus there's a lot of people in restaurants who have no idea what to say to one another and Mm -hmm. if they had this that that would help a great deal but to find those people make those connections is not so easy for me i can i can have the ideas i can write the content for them but i can't necessarily market them so i'm always looking for people who can help with that yes there's so much out there one other point i want to make is that curiosity is what keeps us active if we aren't if we don't keep our curiosity we become very apathetic and apathetic people get depressed and they have no reason for living they just it's not a good life. But if you stay curious, and if you find quirky, fun, funny things to be curious about, that keeps, not only keeps our brain active, but keeps our spirit uplifted. And that's really what I'm aiming for, because I can't be very funny, but I can find some odd and funny things in the universe. (laughs) Oh, you have succeeded there. Absolutely. And I love the the discussion about curiosity and how that relates to good humor. I I agree 100% that when we lose our curiosity everything is kind of numb or deadpan this level and uh, even in business they tell people to be stay curious i think steve jobs said something like i want to like look it up if we're curious it's like a beginner's mind right in zen buddhism they talk about the beginner's mind which is where you know, you kind of have this sense that you haven't done this before and you get to kind of experience it new for the first time in a curious way. Yes, the empty mind that will now accept other things to come into it. Yes, check out my website, wisernow.com because I there's a lot of stuff there. Wiser Now Wednesday, you can sign up for that um, easily, will come to you automatically. I never sell, sell mail lists, but there's an awful lot there. There's also, I do slideshows um, which take, material that I've written in other places. So as a slideshow, it becomes something that's all photographs are mostly photographs like art projects. Again, some really curious art projects in terms of food and people, what people have done, they have made the most amazing things out of avocados, both the stone and the avocado and the avocado sculptures that they make. They have done amazing things out of watermelon, of course, and, and other big things, but there's a lot of just amazing people out there who have that human ingenuity is just tremendous. So check out my website (laughs) and look at the other things and see what I might do to keep your curiosity alive. The Pfizer Now Wednesday newsletter is fantastic. Not just saying that because I love humor and trivia and it combines both of those passions. You send a great cartoon to me too as a result. Thank you. There were a couple of newsletters which I loved and I immediately forwarded to my sister. I did this for like two or three weeks then on the fourth week she goes where's the newsletter (laughs) i said well you can sign up (laughs) 
And she goes, no, it's more fun if you send it. Well, and that says something too. I, I mean, yes, I want them to sign up, but I love that it's being spread to other people. And the fact that she feels connected to you if you send it is a really nice gift in that way as well. Thanks for sharing that. That's really nice. So where'd you get the idea for Wiser Now Wednesday? Because my curiosity has always gone a bit wild. Um, Because <laughs> I've always liked very quirky things. And because I because I'm not funny, if I can find quirky, funny things that has been connecting with people in a fun way so that they they might think I'm funnier than I actually am. And and there's just so much material out there. <laughs> I have been doing it for three years and I have nowhere near running out of ideas. There are just, there's so much every single month to have fun with the universe. It should be a YouTube channel, really. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could do that. I, I think it would have to be somebody else doing the YouTube channel because I don't feel like I'm person who does the, the video unless it became a fun PowerPoint or a cartoon yeah. type thing. Or I had a, somebody else who took my material and made it into a YouTube. That would be fine too. But I don't feel like I'm that person. I'm the writer, not so much the presenter anymore. Uh, Andrew Tarvin would call you a curator. Yes. Okay. A curator is someone who you know collects examples of humor and then recognizes when they apply to the situations that they're in. Immediately add levity to a situation, enhance presentations. Can you yes. make the life of an activity professional easier because you I, offer a place for them to go to grab. There are sites out there that have a lot more just everyday things. But what I try to do, you know, you can take a trivia quiz and they will say, what are the state capitals of the United States? Well, nobody mm. really wants to do that. We don't want to be tested. What we want is something that's mm. fun to to do a trivia quiz on. So I did one on the history of beer because nobody needs to know the answers to that. Nobody <laughs> has to feel bad if they don't know the answers to that. But I wanted them to feel like they could have fun with it. And then they can share answers. Like, do you know why originally beer became a six pack of beer? No. Um, no. <laughs> I did a true false in the history of beer. And one of the answers was because most people would have two couples over when they came and so then they had a beer for everybody when they, I mean, if they had visitors that night, they'd have two, two other couples. So there'd be six in a pack. The reality is that the people who did this, these are a long time ago when people walked to the grocery store, they felt that that was what a housewife would carry home with her. <laughs> Not too heavy. Right, not too heavy. So that's how that was done. There's just quirky things like that out there all the time. <laughs> but you can have a discussion then. If I write the history of beer, you can talk about, well, do you like beer? Are there certain kinds of beer you like? Is there a, is there a certain pub you like going to? And what makes a good pub? If you don't like beer, what do you like to drink? If you don't drink alcohol at all, what else do you like to drink? It can go so many different directions from there. So one little thing can lead in, in many other ways. And that's what I want why I do what I do because I it is about sharing it it's not just about oh well that was interesting and keeping it to yourself it's about I can tell somebody else this and that connects me to that person and gosh we need to be connected yeah I think you're an experienced developer <laughs> I do yeah. these small seeds that you plant create this wealth of time for people to spend together and discuss their seeds. It's that pumpkin seed with the Van Gogh painting on it. <laughs> you set that seed down and let everybody paint and it's beautiful, it really is. It really is amazing what there is out there and the ways we can connect. And there's so many people who just don't realize how many ways there are. So that's, I guess that's what I try to do is help them connect. E.M. Forster said, only connect. But people need a, need a way and I try to 
create the thing, the means of connecting. It seems like you have a particular heart for the caregiver. Well, I do. I have been a caregiver for many years, as I said, and I was very much hands-on. My mother was bedridden for two years, and I was her sole caregiver, basically. We had hospice come in. They thought she would die, so the hospice came in. Uh, every few days to check on her, but she was completely handicapped. She didn't, she was nonverbal. She couldn't feed herself. She couldn't get out of bed. Uh, she didn't have control over her limbs. We did that. Uh, we once brought a kitten to her thinking that kitten would be cute, but she went, wow, <laughs> almost killed the poor thing. <laughs> so we had to take the kitten away. She didn't have control, but she was cheerful. And that's what people don't understand sometimes is that even though she had very far advanced dementia, people liked being around her because she had an aura about her of just being cheerful. She didn't get upset by things. She smiled. And that's one thing I want people to understand about people living with dementia can smile until the end of their lives, almost the very last thing they can do. And that's being able to enjoy them. And there's still joy left once somebody has dementia is a really great skill to have. So yes, um, I have a soft spot for caregivers because I know that that, that is difficult, but it's also looking beyond distracting yourself, looking for the distraction and how can we enjoy one another, do something together. And sometimes it's just holding somebody's hand, but we're there, we're present for that person. And other times they're capable of doing a whole lot more. The distraction and, and showing how you still value something. And if you can say, you know, you really have a clear view of, of things, of how, you know, I admire your forthrightness or your, your find some way of reframing it into something that's a positive thing that you value about him. That way, if he feels appreciated, that also cuts out some of the negativity. Um, and if, if he finds something funny and distracting, that's the distraction is the huge thing, but they don't realize what they need to do. So one of the other things I do is write this blog on brain game product reviews. So I tell them about games and products that are out there that they can use for people living with dementia or for themselves to keep their own brains active. My dad had Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Mm, that's really hard. It was tough, but his spirit was amazing. He stayed positive all the way through. It was hard to believe. You know, there would be moments when we had to take his shoes. There was no point in him having shoes anymore. The car, when he stopped driving, when he took down his office, those were difficult days. But all in all, he became the mayor of his nursing home. Mm. And he knew everybody. And he tooled around in his wheelchair. And he had great spirit and just amazing inspiring you know to be in the position he was in but i also wanted to say i've clowned for dementia patients i adore working with happy dementia patients they are so fun a name that tune game or you know something that helps them connect to what they do remember is beautiful to watch and people that are a little further gone still connect through tactile through visual through there are ways to still connect do you want to talk about that as they're further gone and they seem to just be spaced out there's more to it yeah they still can connect first of all they connect if you treat them normally that's that's part of it hmm. music is another great way and you're right about touch they really enjoy touch and they enjoy there are exceptions there are always exceptions some people do not want to be touched but most people are love to be hugged or have their hand held or just have their arm stroked or some simple thing like that. Music they can relate to very well, almost until the very end as well. And there are people who paint, they get a new voice through painting because they express when they can no longer 
verbalize what they want to say, they do some painting. And there's some wonderful programs out there for that. And when you see the art of people living with dementia, it's phenomenal. If you don't know the story behind it, it may look like it isn't anything, but you let the person explain it and they'll say, that's the way, that's the best fishing spot that I know of on this lake, such and such. And suddenly this blue blob has a whole lot more meaning than it did before. So there are just so many ways that you can relate to people if you are patient with them, if you just let them lead the conversation when they can still lead the conversation. But otherwise, just be cheerful with them. They don't relate very well to people who say, oh, ain't it awful? Oh, I'm so sorry you like this and, and are very downbeat. But if you come in with a cheerful attitude, they react to your attitude and, and that helps. There's still a way to connect with the crankiest of people. A lot of times the cranky person is in pain and that pain is not recognized. And so they're not getting the medicine that they need. So if you're in pain, you get to tend to be cranky. Or they're frustrated because they can't do what they used to do when they are feeling inadequate in some way. Or people treat them as if they're inadequate. And they're looking for a human treatment and humane treatment. But yes, you can connect with them just by recognizing them as, as fellow human beings who still want to be connected. I think people give up too easily. Although all the books you've written, which, <laughs> what are you, which one are you most proud of? The first two books I wrote were on Alzheimer's disease. One is about caring for people with, with dementia, just understanding how they're communicating and what it means when they say, I want to go home and, and that kind of thing. So it's for early stage um, people. The second one is it's about ADLs, which stands for activities of daily living, and that's dressing, bathing, grooming, and eating, that sort of thing. So those were the first two books I wrote, and I was proud of them because that needed to be said. I said it again in a very lighthearted way. When you talk about incontinence, I said, you can't be anal about this. You know, you <laughs> so um, I tried always to treat it very practically. I always gave very practical ideas, but I also treated it with well, the lightheartedness, didn't take it so as if it was such a depressing sort of thing. So I was pleased about those. Then the next book I wrote was about life stories. And that one is way too expensive. I didn't have control over the expense of it. And I'd like to do another one later, because if you get people to tell their life stories, again, in fun ways, like one of the, th the exercises I do is, are you a rose or are you a daisy? Get people to choose one. And you may not think you're either one, and that's okay. Then tell me what kind of flower you are. And if you don't want to do flowers, then tell me what kind of tool in the toolbox or tree in the forest or whatever else you might do. But when I say that, a, a person who is a daisy is very proud to be a daisy. They, they tend to be people who say that they thrive anywhere. They are cheerful. They create cheerfulness in other people. What you see is what you get. They have no pretensions about them. They're very happy being the people they are. And now you know what they value about themselves. So you want to bring out that cheerfulness in that person. You want to say how much you appreciate that they can just flow with the, go with the flow and, and go with the different situations that they're confronted with. And, and that their positive attitude is such a pleasure to be around. Roses will say to, to you that they are, are beautiful but they have thorns and you better watch out how you treat me. <laughs> they will say things like they have a lot more life to them. People think because they have these layers of petals so that some will wilt, but you take them off and they're fresh and new again. So there's complexity to them. They don't want to be understood too quickly. And one person told me I'm a rose because I take a lot of manure in my life. Mm. And <laughs> so again, but again, you, you learn their values. You, they, they want to be seen as complex 
complex. They don't want to be understood too quickly. They want to be appreciated for the good qualities, but recognize that they, they have some things that they're touchy about as well. And you can do that with anything. They will tell you their values if they use it as a metaphor. And so I use those kinds of things a lot with people. That sounds like a terrific uh, icebreaking activity. It is actually. Me. There's a whole series of questions that you ask. It helps so much in so many situations. How can people find you? WiserNow.com has WiserNow Wednesday there, and it has other products there. You can get my books through that. I'm on LinkedIn as Kathy Lauren Hume. You can also email me, Kathy at WiserNow.com. K-A-T-H-Y at WiserNow.com. WiserNow is W-I-S-E-R-N-O-W.com. Yes, because if you listen to what I have to say, you'll be so much wiser. <laughs> We've learned a lot. I'm very big on creative ways to train people and improvisational theater, those kinds of things. It's another way of training people in creative ways. And I, that's the other thing about humor and why AATH is so important to me is because we learn to be creative through it. It's just a marvelous organization with absolutely marvelous people. I'd like to give a testimonial to you as a trainer. You taught our class in the Humor Academy uh -huh. for, for level two. Yes. And uh, shepherded us for a year. And it was a great time. Thank you. You were a great group. You. I, you still are a great group. You have proved to be such leaders in the organization and you've gone in so many wonderful directions. I mean, I am so proud of all of you. I had a lot of contact with you the first year, but then other people took over and you took over and it was wonderful. So thank you that it was all within you already. What did the Humor Academy do for you? First of all, it reinforced what I'd felt all along, how important humor was, but it also clarified how to use it appropriately and effectively, but sensitively. There's such a big emphasis in AATH about therapeutic humor and about using it in ways that is not divisive, but that in, is inclusive, that brings other people in and does not shut anybody out. So that was part of it. I knew it, but I learned techniques for it. It brought me friendships that I will value all my life long. And I have for many years now already. And that was really important. Just a network of, of people doing creative things. And as I just was saying to Jimba, the directions that everybody has gone in the Humor Academy, they've taken it in ways that I never imagined. And to just learn from them on an ongoing basis is phenomenal. Tell us about good fortunes. I have written uh, some directions about how to do good fortunes, what kind of good fortunes you can write, giving you some blank sheets for some, but also some that have ideas already. And then you can just decorate them and put them in envelopes. And I can, I am be happy to send you the directions for that. If you just say directions for good fortunes and write to me at Kathy at wisernow.com. That would be great. I really got obsessive at one point making envelopes about I've used them of all kinds. I cut out calendars. You know, you can get calendars at the dollar store and they have these beautiful sunsets or beautiful flowers or beautiful birds. And I would just cut them up and create, cut them in such a way that the bird or the sunset or whatever would be on the very front. And I made them large, I made them small. But for the good fortunes, I made a lot of small ones. I used calendars. I used anything I could find that was, was created something pretty and unusual. And there's, it's very simple to make these things. You can find them on my creatingdelight.com website. There's a, a whole big thing about envelopes and the various ways that you can use them. There's also some templates for different sizes. So I'd love to have you look at creatingdelight.com to get ideas. So that's a second website that you have, creatingdelight.com? Yep. 
that's really where my blogs are now that I'm now that I've resurrected the brain games product review. One of the things that I review is scramble squares and scramble squares. You've seen them, I'm sure. It's nine squares. They're four inches by four inches and they are there's over a hundred different variations of it, but they might be birds, they might be flowers, they might be manatees. We have, that's one of anything you can imagine. There's quilts, there's teapots, there's just so many different things. And the idea is that you have to put them in a square like tic-tac-toe, nine square. But the idea is that every side needs to match if you do it right, with right being in quotes. And I've never done it right in my whole life. I've never been able to figure out any of them. <laughs> But you can play that in other ways. And with when you're working with people living with dementia, then you try to see if you can put them all on a line and have just one, you know, two sides match. Or you can play it like dominoes. Oh, and you say, oh, there's a match here. And so you put the thing up there and and just let it be a wandering thing. It doesn't have to be nine. Or you play it with just a few pieces, like four pieces instead of uh, nine pieces. So there's a lot of variations. For it. So when I and and there's and you can do it according to something they're interested in. Like there's a bunch of them that are are more masculine kind of things, like retro rods and um, um, a lot of animal kinds of things that that are more masculine animals than mm -hmm. the kitties that are playing with balls of yarn and that kind of thing. Um, and I, I really there's so many ways that you can adapt it. And so that's another thing that I've written up is um, here's the game and here's the adaptations for it that you can do. And I don't get anything for it, <laughs> but um, but, it's a, but it's a good idea and it's a way that a lot of people can use it. And it keeps them occupied because you, when you're doing something, when you have a product in front of you, when, when you're working with people living with dementia, you don't have to make conversation and you can, but you can say something like, isn't this a beautiful pattern? Or isn't this a lovely bird? Or this, did you ever collect a seashell like this seashell? And um, there's so many different ways that you can have some conversation about it, but you don't have to talk about anything else what's happening with other people. You're just saying, I'm enjoying being here with you. Mm. And that enjoyment of spending time with you is what they're looking for. They're not looking for having to make conversation because it's hard to make conversation. They will repeat themselves if they have to make conversation mm. and they will maybe make a mistake in some way. But if they're just enjoying that, oh yes, that's a beautiful bird or yes, uh, I love the background color of this or any kind of thing like that. And some of these puzzles, they're like there's a quilt puzzle. There's a lot of wrong ways, quote unquote, wrong ways to put it together that looks perfectly fine. So Again, there are all the different things that you can do to get around having to be right, um, because that's a tough thing. Yeah. If you know what they are, th those values, you know, are mm. part of their history, make yeah. a big difference. So cranky, cranky doesn't matter if you just play a little bit until you find the right. Am I right, Kathy? Playing is so important. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's. Yes, you're mm -hmm. right. And and those are moments that we that are really just heart wrenching for us, but something we'll never forget because it was so meaningful. So mm -hmm. yeah. And and the thing is that those moments do last. If whatever people are feeling, once you leave the room, they continue feeling that. So if you've left them with some upbeat kind of thing, mm -hmm. that makes a big difference than if you've made their lives miserable in some way. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, if you can if you can create something that 
that uplifts. It's a wonderful thing. I want to thank Kathy Lauren you for being our guest here at LaughBox. Yes, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. All thank right. you. Find out more about Kathy, go to wisernow.com or send an email to Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y at wisernow.com. On behalf of the LaughBox team here, I'm Jim Bob Williams. I'm Katie B. We'll see you, you next time on right. LaughBox. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> it's a lovely idea. This has been episode 90 with Kathy Larenhue from wisernow.com. Thank you for joining us with Jim Bob Williams and Katie B. Laughbox brought to you by the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Laughbox is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. And we'll see you next time.